This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and today... I have got a repeat interviewee, if that's the right way to say it, or repeat guest, um, going all the way back to episode number two. My guest is Charlie Gundell from RBA, Renewal by Anderson of Orange County. Charlie, thank you for coming back again. Thanks, Brian. It's nice to be here with you. Yep. I always appreciate any conversation I can have with Charlie. Um, I go back a long, long way with Charlie. I'm going to spare you the whole long story. I've said it in other places. Charlie's probably tired of hearing it. Basically, you know, it's what a dork I was when I first met Charlie. And now hopefully I'm a little less of a dork as a grown man, 20 something years later. Um, Charlie, um, Charlie is probably, you can cover your ears on this part, Charlie, if you want. But to me, I've met a lot of people in the home improvement business, a lot. And I think that Charlie is, if not the smartest, he's probably pretty damn close. And as far as entrepreneurs go, um, he's, he's an amazing role model. Um, for any of us that are out here building companies and um, really making, creating the life that we want for ourselves, which is really kind of like what we do and why we do it. And so um, that's why I've asked Charlie to come back. If I could, I would do a podcast just with Charlie. I mean, I could talk with him every week for half an hour. And that alone would be a pretty killer podcast because this man has so much information to share. So with all of that said, um, what we are going to talk about, since it is the beginning of a new year, we are going to talk about planning for growth. And so let's start here, Charlie, with how do you... Let's say you, Charlie, how do you decide where you're going to go when a new year comes around? Now, I'll stop talking in a second, um, I promise. Um, but I was just telling Charlie before we turned the recording on that I, you know, I'm speaking with, it's beginning of the year, I'm talking with clients, I'm talking with, with uh, new people, and um, people have some pretty aggressive goals for you know, for the new year, the person I just spoke with, you know, not even two hours ago, their goal is to grow 50%, you know, from 5 million to seven and a half million over the next 12 months. And so I would imagine a lot of you listening are also thinking about how do I grow the business? And so Charlie, how do you determine in your business, how do you determine how much you're going to grow? And then let's kind of talk through the steps of what it takes to actually make that happen. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, you know, one thing I think we can all agree upon is that uh, 
you know, if you're not growing, if you're stagnant, you're dying, you're, 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 re you're retreating. So you have to continually be thinking about growing, uh, I think. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's, there's no one size fits all, but I think a minimum of a 10% a year growth for most businesses that are fairly well established would be the, the minimum level. Uh, in some cases, you know, it could be 25 or 30 percent. Uh, like the, the, you just talked to me about your other client who was trying, you know, his goal was to grow 50 percent. Well, that's pretty ambitious. But on the other hand, if you're a million dollars and you're trying to grow to a million and a half, there's a lot of little things you can do that could achieve a 50 percent increase. So on the other hand, if you're if you're 20 million and you're trying to grow to 30 million, that that may be that, that's a 50 percent increase, but that may be hard to achieve. Not impossible to achieve, but maybe hard to achieve. So I think the key with all of this, though, uh, the keys are, number one, you really have to know the numbers of your business. You have to know your your marketing costs. You have to know your your revenue per appointment. You have to know your close rate. You have to know your average sale. Uh, you have to really know your overhead uh, and you have to kind of know your sales and installation capacity. Uh, and, and you got to have a good feel for that before you can consider really uh, thinking about building a plan to grow. A lot of people, you know, just show up on January 2nd and they have good intentions and they hope and they mean for the year to to be better than last year and they might pick a percentage goal out of, out of the air, but there's not a lot of uh, thought behind that in, in most cases. And uh, just like, you know, they're going to lose weight and what all the gyms sell more memberships in January than any other month. Cause everybody's going to get in shape and lose weight. And by middle of February, that's all gone. So that, that can happen very easily in business when the business sucks you back into running it day to day. So really important that you have a grasp of those numbers and then you have a plan that you you can put in place now once you establish that number and let's let's use a let's kind of use a, a a real world example so let's say that we've got a a four million dollar home improvement company we do 400 jobs a year we've got five salespeople and we want to grow the business, say 20% or call it 25%. We want to add a million dollars to, you know, to our top line revenue. Um, what is kind of, what are kind of in your mind, what are the steps? Like, you know, we've come up with, okay, we're going to do $5 million this year. Now what, what's next? Well, you know, if you're at four million and you want to go to five million, I mean that's you know that's an attainable goal, but it's only attainable if you have a plan behind it. So the first thing I would say is, you know, you're going to increase your business by twenty five percent. It all begins with leads. So where are you going to get twenty five percent more leads from? You know, I mean now maybe there's things you can do with your existing lead flow to be more efficient. And, and you might be able to pick up a few percentage points there. But ultimately, if you want to grow your business 25%, with all things being equal, you're going to have to generate 25% more leads uh, or, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. And so the first thing is, you know, where's the money going to come from? Do you have the money? Can you budget the money? And then what vehicles are you going to use to generate those leads? 
And then you got to put a reasonable expectation on cost and, and revenue per appointment, cost per lead issue, things of that nature. So that's the first place to start. Now, once you're in a, if, if you're in a, a growth mode and you're doing that every year, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you kind of just naturally go there. But uh, one thing that I, a friend of mine told me this many years ago, and it really has challenged me each year when I'm putting together marketing plans is that he says each year I want, he wants 20% of his lead, 20% of his leads to come from sources that he never used previously. So in the early years, that's somewhat easy to do. But once you're doing this, uh, to continually find 20% of your business through lead sources or, or, or some type of marketing activity that you hadn't done before, that can be somewhat daunting. But that, that's the mindset you need to have is you constantly be need to be blazing new trails. So that would be the first place to start is figure out where the leads are going to come from okay. and what the cost of those leads are going to be and is it cost effective. Then after you do that and, and you believe you have a, a plan for that, then the next thing you need to do is look at your sales capacity. Do you have enough sales reps uh, to to run those extra leads? Uh, and that that can be a little deceiving because uh, you know if you really start to break it down and how many how many appointments can a sales rep run a week and a month and a year? You know, and, and the assumption there is that the sales rep's going to be working 52 weeks a year. Well, he's not going to be working 52 weeks a year. They're going to have some time off. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be injury. There's going to be something, vacations. So so you need to be realistic about your current sales reps and their capacity. You also need to be realistic about your current sales reps and their ability. Uh, if, you know, you've got people that have been there for a while and, you know, they've kind of stagnated or they're, they're at a comfort level, uh, you know, is that, was that going to help you meet your goal? What can you do to get them to perform at a higher level? Uh, uh, and if not, what do you got to do to get rid of them? And what do you got to do to bring on new talent and train them and coach them up? So, you know, you got to have my, our experience is you got to have about, 20 to 25% more capacity than you actually are going to have lead flow. So that doesn't, that means that your sales reps are not, you, you may not have enough appointments to give a sales rep an appointment every time he would like it on the surface. That sounds like a bad thing, but actually it's a good thing because you want to keep your sales reps hungry you want to be feeding your sales reps who are performing at a high level. Some, you know, some sales reps are a little bit streaky. You want to be feeding the top performers at a given point in time. And you want to be able to pull the poor performers out, off, off the rotation and bring them in for some, some additional training or boot camp. Uh, so you really, you know, you've got to have more capacity than you actually need, uh, than you actually have leads to run. That, that's critical. And then the, the and assuming all that happens, then then you need to make sure you have the administrative staff to to process the paperwork, to schedule the jobs, to order the materials, to go out and do the the tech measures or the pre-construction meetings, and and that's easier to backfill. And then 
the other component to this is you need to have the uh, production capacity to install the work in a timely manner. Because if you're just selling the work and adding to your backlog, you're kidding yourself. You know, everything is a, everything is a factor of time and we get paid by the profitability that we make in a given period of time. And, and if you're just building backlog because you can't keep up with on installation with what the sales force is selling, Ultimately, in the long run, that's going to hurt you because when your lead times get out so far, uh, it's going to hurt you from selling sales because some people aren't willing to wait. Uh, but you're also kidding yourself because it's all about revenue in a given period of time that generates and that revenue is offset by your overhead. And then what's left over to gross profit drops to the bottom lines as net profit. So. That's really a critical thing. I've seen companies in the last couple of years that have had growth on the sales and marketing end, but they have not been able to keep up on the installation end. And we all know that, you know, that that can be a challenge these days, but you got to figure out a way to add to your production capacity or else all that work is for, for nil because all you're doing is making a, building a big, bigger pipeline that you can't really get to. And until you, uh, install those jobs, you you really can't recognize the revenue. Yeah. So let's unpack a little bit of that. And, and I want to pay particular attention, everybody that's listening, pay very particular attention to how uh, when Charlie described, you know, so he started with leads. So if we're going to grow 25%, where are the leads going to come from? And then he went through understanding cost per lead, Revenue per appointment, important number, um, and then move that into sales. So if I've got this many leads coming in and I can assign or, or issue this many leads per day, I need this many salespeople. My point here is that to do this right, You've got to understand your numbers inside and out. And if you look at, and I've, I've seen Charlie's planning, and quite frankly, it's like, you know, it's way over my head. Um, luckily, my business is a little uh, simpler than yours, Charlie. Um, so my planning doesn't quite look like yours, but... Even in our business, we've had to put together, okay, in order for us to hit our target, we, I think you called it backfill. So if your job average is $10,000, you've got to sell 400 jobs to do $4 million. Now you've got to sell 5 million or 500 jobs. Where are you going to get the extra leads? Where are you going to get the sales? And you've got to understand how all of the numbers work. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because we didn't really start there, and lately I've been starting with profitability. And so a lot of people will say, well, you know, using the same example, well, I want to go from 4 million to 5 million. I say, okay, great. My next question will be, okay, why? Why do you want to? go to 5 million. And, you know, after a couple of questions, we dig into it and find out, well, you know, okay, so how much profit do you really need to make in order for you to live the life that you want to live? How important 
I know now your business is a little different. I think you guys did. Did you do 30 million this year or 2018? Yes, a little over 30. About 30, 30. 30. Yeah. And, and Charlie, I, I won't share the number, but let's just say that, you know, Charlie runs a very, very profitable business, partly because he understands how the numbers work. Okay. I just, I really want to, uh, uh, make that point because this really is a, a, a business about numbers and math and psychology, okay, and running people and process. So, how important to you is is factoring in, or or maybe even starting with, well, how much money do I really want to make? Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. Well, you know, Dr. Stephen Covey, I learned a lot from him, seven habits of highly effective people. And one of those habits is begin with the end in mind, right? So, 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 so too many times people begin without the end in mind and then they wind up, you know, somewhere where they didn't intend to go or they're not even sure where they want to go. So, the business is pretty simple, you know, you, from the standpoint that, you know, we, you know, we're not doing this for our health. You know, we, we, most of us are very passionate about what we do. We love what we do. It's what we do. But, uh, and, and sometimes that can delude us into not really making the money that these businesses have the ability to make and then doing all the good things you can do with that money once you make it. So that would be the beginning point. And, the other thing I would say too is that some people's uh, motivation for growth is is to make more money, but the one thing they have to really look at is the model that they have now. So if if they're running a business and they're not making the money that they need to make. Uh, and you really start to dissect the business and maybe there's some broken processes or some broken theories that the business is operating on. And, 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 and then, so when you grow that business, you'll just going to have a bigger, more broken business. And I've talked to contractors that, you know, were losing money and the way they were going to get out of losing money was that they were going to, you know, increase their business by 50% or, hundred percent and that, that that can be the kiss of death uh, because if you're losing money or you're, you're breaking even or just barely making money 
there's something broken in the business model. Typically, it's that number one, you're you're not charging the right price. That's the biggest thing we see, and people aren't charging the right price. And when you charge the right price, all of a sudden it changes everything. So rather than fix a business that's broken and doesn't have the right cost structure, doesn't have the right overhead controls, isn't selling at the right price, isn't closing jobs at the right percentage, doesn't have the right average sale, rather than fix those things, they just try to fix it by bringing more revenue. And then that stresses the whole system. They need more sales reps, they need more admin people, they need more production people. And they're just going to have a bigger, more broken, less profitable business. You know, on, on paper, it may look like they're going to go from losing money to making money, but but all the there's a lot of hidden uh, trap doors in there where uh, you know if they don't look out for them, they're just going to they're just going to hasten their exit from the business, and it's going to do a lot of a financial create a lot of financial hardships for them and their families and all the share, shareholders or stakeholders in the business. So you got to make sure your model is sound and then before you grow it. So if you're making $4 million and you're, you know, you're dropping 10, 12, 15% to the bottom line or more, and you know, grow, growth is a natural part of the business and you want to get up to four and a half or 5 million and you keep growing, that's fine. But if you're doing $4 million and you're, you know, you're breaking even or losing money, growing it to 5 million is not the answer. Fixing it at 4 billion and maybe even going backwards and doing less revenue at a, but at a more profitable level is, uh, is what they should be fixated on. I'm really glad you said that because I think as entrepreneurs and I've written about this and I've talked to others about this and it's something that I hope that, you know, by doing these podcasts and, and episodes and having people like you saying it, um, it happens less and less because, w- you know, we see it all the time, right? I, and just exactly what you described, doing $4 million, barely making any money. And they think the fix is, well, once I get to six, I'm going to make money. Well, no, you didn't make money at four. You're not making money at six. Something's broken. Your mo- your your model is is broken. Um, you talked about, you know what, let's stay on, on, um, profitability for just a second. So you threw out 10, 12, 15% net. Um, where do you think, so let's use that same company again, you know, let's say a company that's three to $10 million or two to $10 million. I mean, what would you really want to see as a net profit? in a company like that? Well, before we even talk about that, the other thing I'd, I'd like to establish as a baseline is that most of these small home improvement businesses, you know, as the owner, you you own the, the stock of the company, but you also work in the company. Right. So whether you're selling, whether you're managing a couple of salespeople, whether you're uh, running production or whatever roles. And, and generally it's wearing several hats, not just one hat, but whatever hats you wear in the business, in my opinion, you should be compensated at a salary or a commission percentage or whatever the, the, the pay structure would be for doing those jobs at the same rate that you would pay your, 
you would have to pay someone else if you were, let's say you became disabled and you couldn't do the job, you still own the business, but now you got to go out and hire someone to come in and do what you were doing. What would you have to pay that person? Well, whatever you would have to pay that person or persons, you should be paying yourself as a base income for working in the business. And the mistake that a lot of people make is they don't really pay themselves what they should be making for the roles that they play working in the business. And they confuse that by taking the profitability as compensation. And so that's a big mistake. And that's a big, uh, big uh, premise for what I'm going to say. So assuming you're doing that, assuming you're, you're paying yourself for the role or roles that you play in the business at a rate equal to what you would have to pay someone else if you hired them in from the outside, then, you know, 10, 12, 15%, 18%. I mean, that's the profit you make for the risk you undertake in running the business as the owner. And also that profitability is what provides you the fuel to grow the business by, you know, bringing in a marketing manager or finding new marketing sources or, or, or willing to spend 25% more next year to generate leads because, you know, that's part of your plan to grow and, and, and hiring sales reps or hiring a sales manager or sales trainer. So, you know, the profit is not all money that we take home and buy all kind of shiny objects with or dig up a, a hole in our backyard and put it in a treasure chest. The pro a lot, a large percentage of the profit has to be put back into the business to grow the business. And if so, and if, if, if you're taking that profit out to pay yourself for working in the business, then you don't have that profit to grow the business. So that's a, a big distinction that I think people need to understand. Yeah. Very, very well said. Very well said. Um, so one of the things here, we're kind of coming up against the clock. It always goes really fast uh, when talking with you. But I um, – so one of the things is, you know, as we're looking at this and we're saying, well, 15% profit, 18% profit. I, I Lately, I've been saying 20% profit. Um, the more, the better. Um but in order to get there, in order to have enough money in the business, in order to do all of this stuff, you have to charge the right price. And I, let's talk a little bit about price. I, you sell a very uh, high-end product. Um, you haven't always. I think. Uh, by the way, I think everybody should know that Charlie didn't start his career running a $30 million business. Uh, he started his, his business just like, you know, all of us, you know, pretty much at zero. And uh, he built it from there. So he's been through every stage of that's possible in a home improvement business. Um, but price is such a big, big issue. Um, how do you charge enough in order to pay for all of this stuff? Well, this is really where you have to know your numbers. Uh, you have to know your the cost of doing business. You have to understand 
the overhead costs of a business, the, the sales and marketing overhead costs, the administrative overhead costs, the GNA costs, and then ultimately have to know the, the direct costs of each job you sell. And uh, I've really made myself a student of that as I learned that, that if there are any keys to the kingdom, it's understanding those numbers inside out and upside down. And it's learning how to set up, set up a simple Excel spreadsheet and, and, and populate it and, and play those what if games that you need to play. But uh, in my particular business, I've learned that uh, in some businesses, material is the most expensive item and some other businesses, labor is the most expensive item. But I've evolved into knowing that uh, when I look at a, the cost of a job, when I look at my P&L each month, that my material costs, which are the single largest costs that I have, are about 24% of my total revenue. So if you just take a, an item that costs you $100 and you sell it for like uh, $500 $10 or $512, that'll give you a, a material cost of about $100 or about 24, 25%. Now, uh, but then, you know, we don't, we don't uh, just go out and sell it at our, you know, we, we do marketing, we have special offers and reasons to buy it now. And some cases we have, you know, buy today savings and things like that. So, uh, in my case, what I've learned is I take my material costs times six. And my material costs, so if I have a, a window that costs me $200, my price is $1,200. And then from there, we have our promotional discounts and our buy-to-day and save discounts and, and other things. And that nets us out at, at where we need to be, which is about a 24, 25% material cost. Now, you know, you still got to understand the total costs of your jobs and you got to control your labor and you got to manage all of those things. But, and, and a lot of people, when you have this conversation with them philosophically, they, they, uh, they kind of understand and follow along the logic. But then when, when the rubber meets the road, they, they, they tell you, but I can't get that in my market. You don't understand, Charlie, in my market, it's a little bit different. We got this competitor or that competitor, whatever. So that's beginning of, of a descent down a slippery slope because, you know, you have to, and then you go back into the sales and marketing. You need to be able to, diff, whatever it is, you need to be able, able to create discernible differences for what it is you're selling, the product and or the service or the combination of the two. And then you need a selling system that builds, you know, that identifies where the pain points are for the customer, what the possibilities are for the customer, and then you need to go in and sell that and 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 show them that you have the, the proper solution, and you need to be able to command more money for it. Uh, so one thing is knowing the price. The other thing is going out and getting the price. So you need a selling process and a selling system that you can teach to people, and they can learn it, and it's repeatable and, and, and ultimately perfectable. And uh, otherwise, you can't. You know, you're going to have all kind of inconsistent results and you're also not going to uh, you're also not going to be able to consistently get the price that you need to get. 
So what's interesting about that is, and you, Charlie, you know, I'm not a big sports fan, but I, there's that, um, a coach apparently said, um, to another coach, um, give me, give me your team and we'll win this week. You take my team, you know, the superior team and you'll lose, um, is that the right? Is that kind of the right gist? Did I say it right? Yeah, you would I know. Think so. Yeah, you would yeah. know better than I would. So, I would say to anybody out there that has a pricing challenge, um, first off, my buddy John Anglis says when value exceeds price, people buy. When price exceeds value, people don't buy. It makes a lot of sense, right? Well, I would say I could put Charlie into your business with your all of your costs and metrics and all of that. And he could probably come in and bump your price somewhere between 30 and 50% and probably outsell you with the same, you know, using your same infrastructure and same all of it and outsell you. It's not about the price as much as it is about the value and about the system behind it i hope i said that right it sounded yeah, no. it sounded good in my head charlie <laughs> no that i think it, it, it's right on brian i mean you know henry ford one of, I, one of henry ford's favorite sayings is if you think you can you can if you think you can't you can't either way you're right so all day long whether it's conscious or unconscious this uh, thing that's in our ahead uh, on top of our neck that keeps our ears from touching uh you know talks us into stuff and talks us out of stuff all day long so it begins with the belief system uh and it believes it begins with being honest uh, if, if you're truly honest with yourself and you feel like what you're doing isn't working for you and there's there must be a better way then you then hopefully that's enough motivation to give you a conviction to, to make changes and do things differently. You know, I've worked with a lot, as you know, Brian, I've worked with lots of contractors from around the country, uh, teaching them a three and a half day business planning boot camp, And, and many of most of these, I would say, if not all, most of them, when they come in, the, the single thing, the single biggest thing that is, a deficiency in their business is they are not charging the right amount of money for the work that they're and the service they're providing. And most of them, you know, you ask them, how did you arrive at that price? And I hear all kind of crazy uh, convoluted answers, but the reality of it, of, of it is, is none of them are based upon the costs of their business. Most of them are based upon something like, well, in our market, we've got a guy that sets the price and this is what the price needs to be, or you can never get more for for such and such in, in, in my market than, than this to what I'm charging are already more expensive than our competitors and we're losing jobs to our competitors. And so if those type of things are the thoughts that are going through someone's head, they need to expel those quickly because that's a, that's a demon inside their head. I mean... If you were to take, uh, if, if anybody on this podcast were to take two or three of their competitors 
and really understand how their competitors operate. None of them operate out of the same building. None of them have the same marketing budget. None of them drive the same vehicles. None of them buy from the same suppliers. None of them do everything exactly alike. So therefore, how could their cost structures be exactly alike? So you have to understand the numbers of your business. I mean, obviously you have to be somewhat competitive in the market, but we go out every day and sell jobs for two and three times what our competitors are selling. And do we get them all? No, but we get enough of them that it makes it worth our while for the ones that we do get that generates profitability for the customer, or direct profitability for the company, and gives us the resources we need to pro provide a great experience for the customer. We're not cutting corners. We're going over and above spoiling them and, and delivering them an incredible experience. So, but profit allows you to do that. And Profit comes from charging the right price and then managing the business well once you've determined the right price. So, uh, I mean, we can talk about that all day long, but that that's a, that's a, that's a, you know a non-starter if someone's not willing to, to to take a hard look at that. And generally, it's it's the pricing is not high enough. Yeah. Well, I think that's a uh, we are up against the clock, but I also think that's a great place to to stop this episode and um, say thank you. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be released before, probably after Accelerate, but um, by the time you guys are hearing this, our Accelerate event will be over. Uh, Charlie would have uh, done his presentation, which is going to be pretty amazing about the different levels of growth. Um, go over to uh, www.wealthy or thewealthycontractor.com. Sorry, got it mixed up. Add the the in there. So thewealthycontractor.com. We've got some other resources and information and free stuff there for you to help you grow your business, to make more money, to sell more jobs and uh, get what you want out of your business and out of your life. Charlie, I can't thank you enough. I was serious about if you ever wanted to, you and me could start a, another podcast and just talk every, you know, every week for half an hour on a different topic. I think it would be very, very powerful. But for now, I'll take what I can get. I appreciate you. I meant it. I think you really are one of the smartest guys in the home improvement business. Um, especially because you are our very first G4 client, too. That's part of it. Got to throw that in there. I got in on the ground floor. Got in on the ground floor. But that's what also makes you very, very smart, is that you work with us. Anyway, thank you very much. And until next time, everybody, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you. Did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. And finally, we started The Wealthy Contractor as a resource 
to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.